Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here's your host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special returning guest, Pastor Paul Lanusa from Phoenix Church of His Presence in Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you so much, Pastor Paul, for coming to share a sermon called Giant Killers. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Good afternoon. It's good to be with you again today. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about giant killers. Giant killers is a when I began to work on this, it was an afternoon and uh, God just began to speak to my heart. And he said, Paul, he said, a lot of my kids, a lot of my children don't realize that they're giant killers. And it was like, okay. And he said, I want you to write a message. He said, I want you to put one together and I want you to talk to my people on who they are. First of all, let's, let's define giant killers. Giant killers are ordinary people who are willing to take God at his word and follow what he says to do. A very short, simple definition. But now, what are the giants? Giants are whatever stands in the way to oppose or delay God in accomplishing his purpose. Giant killers. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you for the opportunity, O God, that you've given me, Lord God, this day, Lord, to bring forth your word. I pray that you would open our hearts that we would receive of you. And God, we would just take this seed of the word and plant it, O God, and that, Father, it would just begin, Lord, to be built up in our lives and in our minds, O God, and that, Father, it would bring back, Lord God, Lord, fruit into the kingdom of God in the way of souls. And Father, I pray. Bless each one that is listening to this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Giant killers. Now, here's the wonderful thing. A lot of people in Christian our Christian world today, they look at themselves again and they just say, who am I? Who am I? That, that I can do anything in the kingdom of God. And when I, was, when I was thinking about this word that the Lord had given to me, I kept thinking... Uh, of a of a, a young lady. In fact, I call her a young lady. Her name was Ona Medlin. She, when I first met her, Ona was probably in her mid seventies. And I remember I was a youth pastor at Cherokee Cherokee Lane Church of God back in Stockton, California. And Ona was one of the ladies in the church, one of our older ladies. And one day, Pastor walked up to me and he said, "Paul, if Ona ever says anything to you at all, listen to her." It's going to happen. He goes, he says, Paul, I would call Ona a prophet because I never seen anything she says not come true. And I remember we had this service and it was, we had this evangelist come in and he prayed for everybody in the church, but me. I mean, we had a good 50 or 60 people and over a, a, a night, a period of three days, he prayed for every single person in the church but Paul. And I remember at the very end of the service, just, just sitting there, and I was disappointed. It's like, Lord, everybody but me, I don't get this. And the fun thing was is that, you know, you, you don't show it. You, I kept a smile on my face. I was shaking hands. Um, and I walked up to the platform, and I was doing some work. And here comes Ona. I said, Brother Paul, may I speak with you for just a minute? I said, sure, Ona, what's up? And she goes, do you remember last week when I asked you to pray for my neck and you prayed for it? I said, yeah, Ona, I remember that. She said, Brother Paul, she said, when you prayed for me, God healed me. Did you hear me, Brother Paul? God healed me. And Brother Paul, God said to tell you that if you'll just trust him, He'll do the same for other people when you pray for them. Okay, Brother Paul? I said, sure, Ona. Okay. I told, what the, I told you what the Lord told me. See you later. <laughs> you know, and then Ona left. 
But you had to know Ona. Ona was a giant killer. Um, she was just this sweet little lady. She walked in the church, and there was a wonderfulness about Ona. She'd come up and shake your hand, and God bless you. Her eyes would be lit up. Her face would just be lit up with the joy of the Lord. And uh, it was her and Sister Davis, and I always remember those two. And they would just have this wonderful thing about the Lord every time they walked in. They were both giant killers. But I just remember Ona because if Ona told you something, you listened. And uh, (laughs) we listened, and God used her mightily. But giant killers, ordinary people who are willing to take God at his word and follow what he says to do, and giants, whatever stands in the way to oppose or delay God in accomplishing his purpose. Now, in talking about giant killers, let's talk about three things that are three traits of a giant killer. And it's really interesting because if you look in the Word of God, when you look at people that we would call giant killers, they hold these traits. Number one, number one is a willing heart. A giant killer must have a heart that God looks at and God loves. And our example in this day, in, in, in this um, trait, would be an actual giant killer in reality, and that was David. If you will look in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, what has happened is um, Saul has not been a good king in the sense of obeying the Lord, and God is going to now bring forth a new king. And he tells Samuel to go and to hold um, a feast and call Jesse and his sons to the feast, and he's going to pick one of them. And, you know, of course, you know, Samuel said, God, I can't do that. Saul hears about it. He's going to kill me. And that's why they did the feast. But anyway, Jesse and his sons come to the feast, and boy, Samuel takes a look at the first son and the second son. He goes, Lord, these are all young men of good stature. They're, they're shaped. They're, they're muscular. God, they are good-looking young men. Man, I, I can see why you, the Lord God, would pick one of these as a king. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the word of God says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks after the heart. And you think about this, David in his, you know, as we look at history, he had the heart after God. He had a heart that God could touch. And when God would touch his heart, David would listen. He made his mistakes, but David would listen to the Lord God. And in this case, when, you know, the first one passed by Samuel, the second one did, the third one did, and he realized that none of them were showing what God wanted. And he says, is this all? And Jesse says, well, we have one more. He's in the field with the sheep. Go get him. We won't go any further until he's here. And so he sends out. He gets David. You know, David has a. I, I wonder how quickly did they get him to the field? Did he still did he still smell like sheep? Did he stop at that house? You know, what did he throw on? Um, you know, it's one of those off the side subjects. But here comes this young man from the field. He comes in, and he's presented before you know before uh, Samuel, and God said, "This is the one." And so, you know, they break open the oil, they pour it over his head, and they anoint him king. But if you go through now Samuel's life, uh, Samuel, uh, David's life, take a look now at what God has to do to grow him up into his position, you know, as king. But the first, very first thing that God saw in David's heart was he had a heart after God. So the first thing that God has in giant killers is a heart that's after the Lord God. Secondly, when you want to look at another trait of a giant killer, a giant killer must be willing to follow God's direction. And I like this giant killer because he's always been a a good example of a man who followed God by doing the things that God are doing good at the things God placed him in. And that will be Joshua. Now, let's give a little bit bit of background on Joshua. Joshua came out of Egypt. 
And as you look in the Word of God, he was pretty much Moses' right-hand man. If you want to call him uh, his armor-bearer or whatever, I would say that would be him because Joshua walked beside Moses. He was there. He helped him do things. He helped him get things taken care of. I'm sure so many times that Moses had to use him, you know, in administrative functions. But Joshua, you know, when he took over the the nation, when he went to lead them, he was prepared. So, But he always had a correct heart. In every situation that you see Joshua in before uh, he became the leader of Israel, you will find a good, wonderful man whose heart was always after the things of God. Now here he is. Moses has passed on. Joshua is now uh, in leadership position. And they reach their first big time situation. I mean, they've come across the Jordan. And now they come to the first city, Jericho. And at Jericho, Jericho was a big city, folks. From what I understand, it was a chariot city. Um, if I remember correctly, they used to have chariots, chariot races on the top of the wall. It was a big wall. It was well fortified. It was one of the powerful cities, and, it, and it was, its army was one of the powerful armies. But here comes Israel, and they come up to conquer Jericho. Now, I'm pretty sure all Jericho was all ready for them. They were probably at that point, okay, the men were called up. They were armed. I'm pretty sure the first day when Israel got there, you know, they were looking at people from the city were looking around and they probably shoot them off the walls and say, hey, we only need the army up here. We could be attacked anytime. But Joshua comes in, they, they make their camp. And, you know, if we would think that if there was going to be a battle, that you would set your armies in order, you would attack the gate. But God didn't have that in order. God presented a plan of attack that was contrary to everything that Joshua probably had ever been taught about battle. Because what God said is that he said, get all the people, put them in a certain order, and tell them to be quiet. On the first day, walk around the city one time, and then go back to camp. You know, on the second day, do the same thing. Third day, and he lays out a plan for seven days. Can you imagine what Joshua did, though? You know, go back and to present this plan to the people. What? We're, we're going to just walk around? We're not going to attack? What are we going to do? But Joshua lays out the plan, and Israel does it. But I like this. Can you imagine the first day Israel starts to line up? The trumpets are blowing in Jericho. They're saying, hey, they're getting ready for battle. Let's go. Everybody get to the wall. And, and mobilizing everybody, getting ready for this big attack. But here's Israel out of arrow range, and they, you know, out of any type of, of, of danger, but they're walking around the city. And they walk around the city the first day and go back to camp. It's like, did you see that, guys? That was weird. They didn't attack us. And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of people talking about it that night, and the following day, they start to line up, and boy, they call it again, and and here comes people, you know, the, the army getting all ready for the attack. And they walk a second day just around it. Like, wow. And then what happens? Third day. By the third day, I'm pretty sure the whole city had heard about it, about this strange way of attacking. And I wonder, we were, we were talking about us, uh, some of us Christians, we were sitting down talking about it. I wonder if it got to be somewhat of a, a novel thing and people started coming up on the walls because nothing was happening. They were just marching around the city. And even though they, they were still stationed, I wonder if they were letting people come up and, and take a look at this weird thing that these people were doing. But then they, they follow the plan of God. Once, twice, three times. But on the last day, they, they circled one time for each day they had been mar- marching around. At the very end of that last marching around the city, the trumpets blew and the people gave a shout. And it said, the walls fell down. And it said, every man turned and went straight into the city. And they conquered Jericho. Now, if you were a regular army man, that's like, wow, that had to be crazy. But I wonder that last day, if the, if the walls were packed with just 
more than the military men. Yet there were also people watching and everybody coming to see this crazy thing. But when the walls fell, how many people were killed by the falling down of the walls? And then how many people were killed by the actual coming in of the army of Israel and killing, you know, just conquering them? But all because Joshua was willing to listen, to follow the direction of God, and God gave it. Let's go to the Word of God real quick. Like, well, the full story is you'll find it in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. And it's a wonderful story to read. Read it. But put the human side into it too, okay? You know, if you were there in the city of Jericho, how would you feel? Enjoy the Word of God. It's good. But three traits of the giant killer, a willing heart, and he follows God's direction. But there's one other one now, is godly courage. The third one of third trait of a giant killer, godly courage. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. Okay, this is now Saul. The Philistines are, you know, in their garrison up on the in the on one of the mountainsides. There's a pass in between. Uh, there is a way to get up to the top of the mountain. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, they're sort of tired of sitting in camp. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, let's go up and let's just see if, if God is willing to do something to, to change everything. And so if you go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 14, verses 6 to 15, let's read the story. It says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win with a ba- he can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are and we'll, or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, ha, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here. And we'll teach you a lesson. Come on up. Climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. For the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan. And the armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all. And their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And then just and just then an earthquake struck and everyone was terrified. Godly courage. Jonathan, you know, and his armor bearer said, Come on. Jonathan said, Let's go. Let's let's reveal ourselves. And if they say these words, God has given them into our hands. But can you imagine this? There's only two of them. There's only two of them in a whole garrison, a whole group, and whole, you know, I don't know how many were in that, 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 that garrison that was there, but considering that they killed 20 of them and that there were still more there, they walked into a place where their lives were definitely at risk. And if they were not hearing God, they were in trouble. But because God had given them a godly courage, they came up and they went up there, started fighting. And they killed about 20 minutes and panic set in, you know, godly panic then set in. And the next thing that you see is God sends an earthquake. And by this time, the Philistines are completely rattled. And as you go on the story, they, they hear the, this, this noise come out of the Philistines camp. And, you know, Saul says, what's going on? Sir, there's something happening in the Philistine camp. Hey, bring the ark over. Let's, 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 ask, let's ask God about this. But before they can even ask God, it gets so bad, Saul just says, let's go. We're going in. We're going to battle. And out of this young man and his armor bearer, out of them following God with godly courage and doing what uh, the Lord had, they felt, directed them to do, the Israelites win a huge battle, 
come out from under the thumb of the Philistines in this area. And Joshua and his armor bearer are responsible for it. They were responsible for God moving in and doing this great thing. So giant killers, three traits, a willing heart, willing to follow God's direction, and godly courage. So are you a giant killer in that sense? But let's talk about what giant killers now do. So you look at this and you say, okay, I got a willing heart. I can follow God's direction. And you know what? (laughs) I'm sure I've got godly courage. God can give that to me. But what do I do next? What does a giant killer do? The first one is is one that that we as Christians, we, we hear it all the time. We talk about it, but we don't necessarily do it. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, I like this scripture. Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. You know, wherever we are in the world today, we only have a limited amount of time. We have a lifespan. And however long that is, that's what we're given. And God says, you know, during this time, what your, whatever your hands find to do, do it. Do it with all of your might. Go for it. And as Christians, what do giant killers do? Whatever they find their hands to do. Whatever is there to do. Now, here's, here's a fun thing. Pastors love giant killers that listen. Why? Because that first scripture, what are they fine to do? You know, there's so much work that you can do in the kingdom of God. Uh, people look at church and they like going to church. But there is so much work that needs to be done in the kingdom of, kingdom of God that does not get done because there's not enough hands to do it. We have, what, millions of Christians? You know, easily in the hundreds of thousands. But when it comes to helping at church, do you know that 10% of people in churches usually do the work? And if a pastor is really blessed, he might get 15 But even at 15, 15% of people helping, that's still 85% that hasn't gotten involved. Folks, whatever your hands find to do, go help. You'll find getting involved in church, getting involved in helping the church grow. It has its own rewards. And you want to be a giant killer? Go help your pastor. You will slay the giant of inactivity. You know, there might be areas where he has wanted people to, to get involved in because there's so much opportunity to get souls to come in and get them saved or to reach out to the community. And now when, when you get involved and you set your hand to it and help him out, you are helping out the kingdom of God grow. You are opening up opportunity. You might never again realize how important it is, but when you set your hand to do it, Go for it. Get involved. Get your family involved. You'll never regret it. So what do giant killers do? Whatever is available to do. Secondly, to realize that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Again, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captive. And the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I've always enjoyed that one. Because that was the Lord speaking. And folks, if we're following the example of Christ... Giant killers, I like that. You need to realize that the Spirit of the Lord is truly upon you. And here, I like this too. He has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. Do you know how, what, what, I I like this part because people think that preaching the gospel so many times is going out there somewhere and, 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 and preaching a sermon or something like that. I got a better way. Go live a good Christian life. Go talk about your friend, Jesus Christ. Go tell the world. Just tell your friends. Just being yourself. Tell them what God has done. And, and, and when they ask you specifics, be willing to share the good news, right? The good news is what? Christ died on the cross for us. That if any man accepts him as their Lord and Savior, that, that God forgives their sins. 
you know, that, that they become a child of the Lord, child of the family of God. Wonderful news. But you know what? You don't have to go out and preach a message. Go out and live it. Go out and talk about it. Go out and share it just by being yourself and asking God to open opportunity for you to do it. And I like this. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. How many times do your friends come? Maybe your neighbors. And, and they just share with you the, the heart of a person who is, life is treated harshly. Or, you know, maybe there was a breakup in the family or in a relationship. Or maybe for some reason a, a good friend walked away. Maybe there was a death in the family. But the thing is, God said you, the giant killer, he sent you out to heal the brokenhearted. And I love it. To preach deliverance to the captives, telling people who are caught in different things. Captive to what? So many people are are caught by so many things in life and they get bound by them. But yet here's somebody who maybe have gone through it, somebody who has the understanding of it, and you sit there and you show them a way. Show them how they can change their, their perspective, their life, their attitude, how they can get out of where they're at, how Christ can help them. You preach deliverance to the captives. And I like this, in the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hey, go pray for the blind. You never know what God might do. And I like the other one, you know, recovering the sight to the blind. I have a friend that's blind, and I keep praying for him. God can, God can heal him. Why not let God use you again to preach the acceptable year of the Lord? So giant killers, recognize the fact that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And then, I like this part. Giant killers, the Bible talks about dreams, visions, and prophecy. Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you like, take a look at this. And it's, it's quoted in the Old Testament in Acts chapter 2, verse, I'm sorry, Acts. <laughs> in Joel in the Old Testament in chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. And then in Acts chapter 2, Verses 17 and 18. And in Acts chapter, or sorry, in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. Then in the New Testament, you know, when they're it's it's this is basically restated, requote it. It says, And it shall come to pass in those last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. What's so exciting about this? is as giant killers, they're talking about you. They're talking about you. You see, God says he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Hey, I think I qualify for all flesh. I'm a male, but there's females. There's young men, young women, children, older men, older women. You know, folks, we qualify here. And it says on your son's And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men, young women. When was the last time you prophesied? The Bible states it. It states it. Have you ever thought that giant killers are gifted by God in such a way that this can happen? How about this one? I like the one. um, It says, and your, your young men shall see visions. Oh, I like this. So what was the last vision that you wrote down that God gave to you guys? What is it? How about, you know, your old men shall dream dreams. What was the last dream I had? On my handmaidens, I will pour out, upon my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Folks, how is God using you? Giant killers, if you go to Joel, Chapter 2, if you go to Acts chapter 2, and you read this, and you begin to pray and seek the face of God, 
Do you not know that the, that the Almighty God will begin to fulfill this in your life because he specifically promises it to you in God's word? Oh, giant killers of today, you are somebody in God. You need to recognize it. You can be used. You can be used in the kingdom of God in a mighty, powerful way. Now, God says, don't get the big head. Don't get a puffed up ego. Folks, this is about God. It's not about us. All that we do in these areas glorify God. It draws people to the almighty God. It's not about us as individuals. I mean, quote, I don't need to be seen here. I don't need to be lifted up here. My ego doesn't need to be lifted up here. But God does need to be seen. Giant killers, you dream dreams, you dream visions, you prophesy. Oh, these are wonderful things that you can expect because the Holy Ghost is upon you. The Holy Spirit rests upon you. And then as giant killers, you show God in action, word, and deed. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I like this point because, you know, at this point, Paul had started to persecute the church. The church was leaving Jerusalem. They were going all out, all out to other parts of the, the world. But it says, wherever they went, wherever they went, they preached the word. They lived. The early Christians lived God. They showed Christ in their lives. And you know what? You got to remember at that point, they had the they didn't have the New Testament like we have. That was written during this time. But they had the Old Testament, and they were flowing in the things of the Lord. And God had poured out upon them. And now they were scattered abroad preaching. They were out scattered abroad doing the wonderful things of God in action, word, and deed. <laughs> I like that. Action, word, and deed. They lived God. And if we look back in history to this day, what do we see? These Christians changed the world. They changed it. The world of their day, they changed it because of God and living for Him. And in our world today, we have specific examples of revivals that have taken place. But giant killers, do you not know that when we step and do the things of God, we change the world around us? So now, how do, how do giant killers do things? I like this one. How do giant killers do things? First of all, it's not in your own power. You see, we as Christians, we don't have any power of our own. The Bible says that, you know, we're, <laughs> that we, are, we were created a little lower than the angels. We don't have any specific power. But when I accepted God when I, into my life, when I accepted Christ as my personal Savior, you know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I love quoting this, and you, shall, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you know, and you shall be my witnesses in where? Judea, Samaria, you know, basically what? We're, we're, you know, the uttermost parts of the earth, you're there all over the world. But it's the power of God. You know, when the Holy Spirit begins to move through you, you know, there are the giftings of the Holy Spirit. They are wonderful. And there's the fruits of the Holy Spirit that come upon you. And you, you begin to do that. And there's the image of God that you begin to carry because you have relationship with Him. And so, you know, how do giant killers do things? In the power of the living God. We don't do it for ourselves. I don't do it to get a name. I don't do it to, to earn money, you know, and, and get rich on it. I don't... I do these things for God that God might be seen and that those who see him and begin to desire him and finally come to accept him, that they begin to see how wonderful he is and begin to become people of God in, in such a way that they too become giant killers. They too begin to change the world. But we also do it in God's authority. That's the wonderful thing. You know what? Let me go back to, um, in fact, let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 8. It says, heal the sick, 
Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely you give. I like that. Do you know that the Bible says in Philippians 2, chapter 10, Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, of things on earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, when I, when I look at this, I do things in God's authority, not my own. In God's authority, not my own. You often wonder, how can I be a giant killer? Just by being yourself. By being yourself. You know, I have, I have friends. In fact, when I was growing up, I grew up in a, in a, in a small church. And we were mestizos. We were half Filipino and half other cultures. For myself, I'm half Filipino, half white. And I always laugh because I always said my white side's Heinz, Heinz 57 mixture. But back then in the day I was growing up, we were, they said that we lived on the wrong side of the tracks. We weren't the right kind of people. And yet in that little church, we had some mighty giant killers. One of them was Brother Jack. I loved Brother Jack. He was a lot of fun. Brother Jack was one of those guys that when you had anything going on, he had a word of encouragement. But I, what I liked Brother Jack for the most was Brother Jack, like missions, he liked giving back to God so that God could, we could go out as a church and do greater things. And he was one of those guys when it came time where they had something special going on in church that needed um, a little bit extra cash. Brother Jack was always there. He was always there to to give. And why? Because he believed that we needed to give to God. And I think of of all the years that you know he he worked in the fields. Um, he got a certain amount of money, but he always tithed faithfully. He gave his offerings, but he gave above his offerings. And I remember so many times that that the pastor would be looking to get something accomplished. And we were short just amount this of money. And he would, folks, this is where we're at. This is what we need. And the first person that you would always see pretty much standing up was Brother Jack. He would always slay that giant of lack. And the church would get things done. I like Brother Doctor. That was his, actually his last name, Doctor. So Brother Doctor. He had a, he had a garden. He was very talented and he had, um, basically, was the, his garden was a piece of land that would have been the size of a yard, a, a nice yard with a house in it. And he had taken this this yard. It had uh, it had water to it, but it was his garden. And he was very talented. And after you know the service was over, he would invite different people to come to his garden, and he would bless families with produce from his garden. I remember I had the, the privilege of going with my dad one day. I was standing by him, and Brother Doctor looked over at my dad, and he said, Hey, listen, Claudio, come on over. He says, Why don't you get yourself some bitter melon and some other things? And so I came along to help. And as a, a, I was probably, what, maybe, goodness, I, I was probably thinking anywhere eight or nine when I went with my dad over there. And I was just, I looked around. I was amazed at, at how well tilled intended to the garden was and the fruit that was there um i remember the bitter melon but um there was also different types of squashes and he basically loaded my dad up with food for that week that my dad brought home you say well how was he a giant killer (laughs) you know what again you could you could think about this what was he doing he was feeding god's people not just our family but he is feeding God's people. And not only that, you know, you think about this. How many of us learned some basic things about gardening, seeing it with our eyes and how he did things? It might, be, it might, might seem to you like this was a small thing. How can he be a giant killer? I've, I've remembered him all of my life. You know, he, I always liked Brother Doctor. There was just, he loved the Lord. He loved people. He loved providing for God's people. 
But I never forgot, even to this day, I've never forgot walking in his garden. I've never forgot the effect of, of going under the trellises and, you know, picking bitter melon or, or, or the squash. He had this whole row of squash that hang, hung down. And seeing those things, they're vivid in my memory today. So I would think he was a giant killer for the simple reason he influenced a young man that now at this age in my life, this stage, I remember him. And I remember as I have grown my own gardens that these guys have been inspirations to me. And they were just two small giant killers. Sometimes you wonder, how old do giant killers, you know, do you start at a certain age? <laughs> we had a giant killer. In fact, I, this was one, it was a story that really came back to my mind. Um, his name was Brock. Now, we had been having these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful services, revival services. Um, they would last till way late at night because after the regular service was over, then other people would come around and they would say, um, you know, um, can we still stay around and pray and everything else? And they would. But, oh, Brock, um, we, we, had a, we had a wonderful man of God, Bill Easter. And Bill gave us, we, we called them, they were called fire rags. <clears throat> All they were was a point of contact between you and God. And um, <laughs> people, people were enjoying the, these fire rags. And, and they would just wave them at other people. And Lord, just bless this person. And, and, and God being a sovereign God and God working and doing wonderful things, you'd see God touch people many times when that would happen. And it was, again, I'm just going to say it was a God thing. It wasn't a doctor or anything. It was just a God thing that God was allowing to take place. And, and as, a, as a pastor at that time, I got I to gotta admit, I had some really big questions about these do-rags, as I would call them. And yet I kept watching as people would just go down under the power of God. And it was not a fake thing. It was a wonderful thing. But Brock, at two years old, had been watching these things for quite a while now. And... Um, came to this one night and we had we had had a wonderful service now we we're in the after service and, and god was moving and we had about 20 people who were laying on the floor just under the power of the holy spirit and they were just enjoying the lord and it was one of those quiet times where they were very quietly some of them had their hands raised they were just very quietly speaking to the lord and enjoying themselves and um Oh, Brock was walking, and there was almost, like I said, there's almost this little pathway between them. And Brock kept looking at our, our, our the fire rags, and he wanted one. And so one of the kids said, Pastor, Brock is wanting one of those rags, or one of the, 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 the fire, fire cloths. And I said, okay. I said, Brock, you want one of those? He said, he shook his head yes. I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to go around and pray for people? And he grinned real big, and he shook his head Yes. And one of the kids said, Pastor, I'll give him mine for right now. So, okay, go ahead. And so they gave him this little prayer rag. And um, Brock goes to the very first part. And now you got to remember, all of these people cannot see Brock. They are laying on the ground. And he's, he's just walking and he's waving that rag around him. And all of a sudden, as he does that, you hear, oh. And the, the, the presence of God just settles down as this little boy is walking and he's just having fun. He's copying what the adults have done. But I remember the thing that really made me laugh the most is he comes up to his mom. And his mom is, is sitting up. And she's, she's just worshiping the Lord. She's not laying down like the rest. And O'Brock, he's he's, as soon as he comes up to his mom, he has this big grin. And when he has this big grin, he, he takes this, this, this fire rag and he's, he, he, you know, he just waves it over his mom. And he's just grinning. And remember, his mom has her eyes closed, just worshiping the Lord. And she goes, oh, and boom, she falls back down. And I asked him later on after, and after that time, Brock came back and sat with the rest of us, grinning from ear to ear. But later on, I, I asked each one, I said, what happened to you? Pastor, we don't know. We were laying there on the ground, just worshiping God, enjoying him. And all of a sudden, this presence of God just, oh, pastor, it was so good. It just hit us. It was so strong. We just could not but help but praise and worship God even more. And then I asked his mom, I said, Stephanie, I said, what happened to you? Oh, pastor, I don't know. 
you know, I was just sitting up there. You know, I, I wasn't laying down. I had gotten up. I was sitting down just, just worshiping God. And all of a sudden, Pastor, this powerful wave of God just hit me. And I fell back. I couldn't help but just lift my hands and, and worship God and praise Him for the wonderfulness. Oh, Pastor, it was so good. And I said, Stephanie, can we show you what happened? What do you mean? Let me show you what happened. And we, because we, we had filmed it on our phone and we turned it and we, and she saw her son going around just praying for people. But then it came to, to herself and she saw herself stand, uh, just sitting there. And Brock waved his little cloth and boom, she was down. She goes, Oh, was that what happened? I said, Yeah. And mom went off and had another good time with the Lord. But I called Brock a giant killer. Why? He was two years old. He was two years old, and he wanted to be used of God. He saw the adults doing it, and his mind is like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And what did God do? God used this young man, this young boy, to just walk through a crowd of Christians, waving this point of contact, what we call the fire rack. And boom, God just came down and honored that little boy's faith that God was going to do something. In a 21 people got touched by the Lord. How's he a giant killer? To me, I kept thinking, what did, you know, Brock had the faith. He saw it. If he, God did it for them, God will do it for me. Two years old, he went and did it. A small giant killer. Oh, there's so many things that, that, that I, I could talk about when it comes to giant killers. But folks, you've got to believe that God can use you. You've got to believe that, you know, it's, it's time that we as Christians quit thinking that God can't use us. It's time that we believe that God really can use you. You're a giant killer. Folks, do you have a willing heart? Are you willing to follow God's direction? You know, does that godly courage well up within you when you're following what God says for you to do? Three traits. You know, expecting that that whatever you're going to put your hands to, you're going to do it good. Knowing that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon you. Knowing that God promised you dreams, visions, and prophetic words coming from you. Knowing that the Holy Spirit rests upon you. You know, it helps also knowing that I can show God in action, word, and deed. Look at the example, again, of the 12 when God sent them out. Look at the example when God sent out the 70. Again, I say to you, if you are a Christian, you are a giant killer. If you are a Christian, you're not just a nobody. You're a somebody in the kingdom of God. You're family of God. God is the Almighty Father, but the Bible says you are His family. And if this is the case, these are the things that He has promised to His people. Folks, all we have to do is be strong enough in the sense of believing that God said it and that God doesn't lie and stepping forward and stepping forward into it. We need to take that first step. God will meet us. So many times God does not, we think that God doesn't do it. All God is waiting for is for us to be the first person to step forward. Because when we step forward, we're showing the condition of our heart. We're showing that we know that God called us to do it. We're doing it. And now God says, oh, wonderful. Now I can do it. You can be a giant killer. You can be that wonderful man, that wonderful woman of God, that child of God that can change the world around him because you know that God has promised it to you. You know, I had a wonderful mother. And if you look at my life today when, it, when on certain areas, you'll definitely see my mom. Because my mom was a prayer warrior. And all of her kids are serving the Lord. She prayed us into the kingdom. <clears throat> she prayed us into wonderful spouses. Wonderful <laughs> jobs. Wonderful everything is what I say. But I remember my mom because I watched as my... She prayed, she prayed my father into the kingdom. My dad ran from the Lord for 40 years. And my mom prayed for him all the time. The time that they were, were married, she prayed for him. I remember the night that, that those prayers came into being, you know, where, where God laid my father out. He was laying on, the, laying on the ground. And God was 
brought him there and said, Claudio, make a decision. Serve me or not. And my dad kept trying to get up off the floor. You know, if you've ever done a put uh, a sit-up, you know how hard it is to do sit-ups. Think about a man fighting God all the way up slowly in a slow sit-up. That top probably took him a good two or three minutes to get all the way up and to watch God lay him back down. You know he was fighting to get up. And finally, he fought God for over an hour. I remember that. But I was sitting beside him, watching him. And I heard him say, okay, God. Okay. You're right. I need to make a decision. And Father, I will no longer run. I will serve you with my whole heart. And boom. My dad could get off the floor at that point. He had made a decision. But folks... I had a new father. I had a man of God who was in the house. He was praying, seeking the Lord. My dad didn't let up. He served the Lord. By the time he had finished his route, <laughs> by the time he had finished his course, dad had been at least, I, well, dad had um, been the pastor of at least three to five churches, and God had done a wonderful thing. You know, but my dad would never have been there if he didn't have a wife who loved him so much that she prayed him to the kingdom. So Christian today, be a giant killer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, Lord, as I end this time, this talk, I pray that you would lay your hand upon him. Father, that the spirit of the almighty God would come upon him, that the presence power Oh, the anointing of the Almighty God would flow through their life. That glory, honor, and praise would go up unto you, Lord God. And that, Lord, lives would be changed for your people going out and doing that which you've called them to be and do to be giant killers. Thank you, Lord God. Be blessed in all we do from this point. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name and thank you for it. Amen. God bless you today. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. We have run out of time, but Faith City Outreach can be heard again on Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time. This radio program is sponsored by King Jesus Christ Ministries in Phoenix, Arizona. You have been listening to the Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. If you are looking for a Holy Spirited and bilingual church in the Phoenix, Arizona area, I invite you to King Jesus Christ Ministries at 3106 North 35th Avenue, Suite 3, Phoenix, Arizona. Zip code is 85017. The music used in this broadcast is provided courtesy of zapsplat.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.